Remember how he told you Bob's a destination kind of guy? He just told me that I needed to get this show on the road and move this episode along. (laughs) Till he was 12 years old, Bob was raised in Grace, Idaho, and boy, oh boy, those Idaho farmers got their butts up before sunrise. And that's how we did it on the road, too. We had cows to milk and chickens to feed. We never got the load back on the 101 later than 5.30 a.m. I am not a morning person, and while it very nearly killed me to drag my butt out of bed that early, it was actually important because there was a shift change for county cops before 7 a.m., and that was one less hour of scrutiny for us as far as Bob was concerned. Bob did really well in the weed industry because he had an amazing work ethic. He could drive 10 to 14 hour days, three days in a row, then go back again on a back-to-back trip. He kept Chetta on his toes and made sure that the money was getting paid back by the hoppers. Occasionally, we left later than dawn, and those times when we did, it was the sweetest thing The boys, every single one of them, even the ones we had just met, worried and prayed over us as we were leaving. They would all gather around in the ancient family ritual of wishing us safe travels. Be careful out there, Mom and Dad. God bless you, Mom and Dad. Safe journey. The love, the concern and appreciation those boys had for us often brought tears to my eyes. Oh, be praying for you, Mom. Bye, Dad. Take good care of Mom. (laughs) We would wave goodbye and I would blow kisses as they disappeared in the rearview mirror. Everybody in the industry intrinsically knows that the first and last line of defense is the driver. The driver is the most exposed position in all of the industry. And while we, Bob and I, probably were about the most invisible drivers this industry has ever seen, we still had a lot of near misses out there on the road, and we'll talk about some of those as we go along. I remember when Trey and Tiny hired me to drive, I thought I was a pretty powerful, independent woman. Till Trey and Bob ridiculed me when I told them I was going to drive the load myself. And those two turds wouldn't stop laughing at me not like they were laughing with me either. Bob smirked at me. Oh yeah, sure, you're gonna drive Trinity Lou. That's a good one. Everybody in this family knows there are drivers and there are the driven. And we all know who's driven. So just get that silly little thought out of your head. No can do. No sir. You've never driven yourself before and you're sure not gonna start now, especially hauling weed. How am I supposed to be a feminist around men that coddle me? So, Bob took over the job and he drove. I'm really ashamed to admit it, but I'm just a shitty feminist. I mean, he's kind of right. I do hate driving. (laughs) If I could get someone to chauffeur me everywhere all the time, I'd do it. I don't even like putting gas in my car. It makes me stink like a mechanic. Gas. Ooh. The thing is... Bob and Trey weren't ever going to let the mom drive alone. First of all, it's dangerous for a woman to travel by herself. And with that much money and a load of weed, it's even way more dangerous. (laughs) 
I imagine there are plenty of women out there who have done something like this by themselves, but if it's dangerous for a man to do it, it's even more dangerous for a woman. Second of all, loading and unloading the car is pretty heavy work. I mean, it's not too heavy for a woman, but it's too heavy for a woman who doesn't want to break her nails. <laughs> like I told you, I'm a shitty feminist. But I did get better at the feminist thing when I was forced to drive the last two loads while Bob was in a wheelchair. Remember that 30-foot rope swing I told you about that the boys built at the pond? He crushed his feet, letting go too soon, and landed straight up in the dirt. He was lucky he wasn't paralyzed. When I drove those two last trips, Bob sat in the back seat and he supervised. <laughs> the boys on both sides in NorCal and Salt Lake were also sweet and loaded and unloaded the car for me. So, let's get this load on the road and get up the highway. I mentioned before in one of the earlier episodes that every morning the Emerald Triangle was shrouded in a thick layer of fog. Most of the time, the boys had loaded up the car the night before. In the early morning chill, the load waited expectantly, hidden innocuously underneath the dark blanket. The only noise was chirping birds and the quiet crunch of the gravel under the tires as we crept silently off the farm without a soul hearing us leave. As we motored up and down, over and around those lonely mountain switchbacks in the fog, it was really nerve-wracking because sometimes we couldn't even see the road two feet in front of us. What if we drove over a railless cliff or an unsuspecting car came around the bend head-on? These severe switchbacks and blind curves were bad enough in the daylight, let alone in the fog. The farm was situated up on a high ridge of the mountain range, but we still had to go up even higher to get through the gate and over the mountain with the dirt road climbing above the clouds of fog. In that open sky, we could see the sliver of sun glowing over the horizon. Then we zigzagged back down the mountain, dipping down into the fog again. Driving down the mountain to get to the highway often took twice as long in the early morning because the fog hadn't burned off yet. Finally, when we made it to the highway turnoff, things got a lot better. Or sometimes a lot worse. <laughs> Once we got down the mountain, ready to turn off onto the Redwood Highway, you do understand that we are not going back the way we came, right? We are going to turn north up the highway instead of south, and we are not going south back on the eastbound I-80 gauntlet with our 100-pound load of wheat. Better to add an extra day of driving than go on eastbound I-80. We were headed to Portland like I told you before. As we headed north on the Redwood Highway in the damp, chilly mornings, sometimes we would drive for hours with the woods blanketed in whispery fog, it was like driving through an Earl Grey fairyland in a wispy, wintry way. It wasn't so much spooky as it was peacefully ethereal. I loved how exquisitely soft and quiet the woods were as we floated along that charcoal ribbon of highway. Somehow, being cocooned in fog almost made us feel invisible, safer, more protected, I want to stop right here for a minute and describe to you a little more about the general details of the Redwood Highway. I'm telling you, if you haven't been on the Redwood Highway, the length of the three counties of the Emerald Triangle, 
You simply have to put it on your bucket list. If you live far away, book yourself a flight to San Francisco, rent a car, and drive up the Redwood Highway to Portland, Oregon. Then spend a couple of days in Portland while you're there. Be sure to check out the Columbia River and Multnomah Falls before you turn around. This time, when you drive back, come down the Pacific Coast Highway 1 to San Francisco. This part of the United States is as beautiful as any place you will ever see the whole wide world. As we continued along this route, lots of times the Redwood Highway even isn't as much of a highway as it is a bridge. A big, miles long bridge hanging hundreds of feet high over the sides of the mountains, swooping over and around river rapids. The highway doesn't just follow up and down the curves of the mountains, but it also follows the curves of the sides of the mountains, like a suspension bridge that swings along the side of it over the rivers. The engineering of this bridge is an awing sight just in itself. Be sure to budget enough time to stop and drive through the Avenue of the Giants. You won't be able to keep your mouth closed on that drive. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Go off the beaten path a bit and really be awestruck at Lady Bird Johnson's Grove. When you see this grove of redwoods, you're going to know this is a place worth visiting. You know what a complaining whiner I was as we drove through Nevada, how it took me over a year to appreciate the wide open spaces of driving across I 80? Not so on this part of the trip. You're going to get so sick of listening to me gush on and on about how beautiful NorCal in Southern Oregon is. But you'll never really get it until you come see it with your own eyes. If you come in tourist season, plan on budgeting enough time to drive around 20,000 RVs crawling up the highway at 15 miles an hour, not really understanding, again, that the turnout sign with the little built in pullover place for you to turn out up ahead means exactly that. For crying out loud, turn the hell out. How hard can it be? Pull over and let 17 to 37 cars go past that have stacked up behind your fat ass, moron citizen cop, unaware dork stupid head, controlling ass white turd patrol. I try, I try to be a classy, elegant lady, but sometimes the trailer just bites me in the butt. <laughs> Mostly when I'm driving. Where's that Glock from Yuba City when I need it? <laughs> In spite of how spectacular the scenic drive was, this part of the journey had its own set of driving problems besides just non turnout buttheads. Now the pressure is exponential. We had 90 to 100 pounds of weed in the car. The first problem we encountered early when we first started driving was the smell. Ooh, not a little smell. I'm talking about a skunky. Terrible smell. So much so that when we opened the car door, others could smell it too. That's just pure, unadulterated danger. We simply couldn't have that going on. As the boys packed, sometimes they got in a hurry or were unconscious or sloppy, or the sealer was burning out and the bags weren't being properly sealed. 
Slowly, after we started the drive, the smell would start seeping out of the bags further and further along the drive, the worse the smell got. Bob could hardly stop anywhere that first time the seals broke. Each stint on the trip, he went as far as the gas tank would absolutely go, and then as he gassed up, he parked at the farthest gas pump. First, Bob watched over and ragged on the boys to be more aware as they packed, but even with their extra care, sometimes the seals just broke. Finally, Tiny found a great and expensive solution. We started using waterproof bags to haul the weed in. I think I told you about this in the earlier episode. The price of each bag at that time was 1500 bucks a piece. Remember that? But they worked and there was no more smell. The next problem that we encountered, well, actually, it was a problem that we had right from the very beginning, was Bob's driving. Bob Benson doesn't screw around when he drives. In his mind, the point of the journey is to get there. He's one of the most aggressive drivers I've ever known, except for his son, our oldest kid. These two guys of mine drive like galloping hogs on fire. Bob is not into careful, conscious, cautious drivers who edge out of a parking garage looking right, left, right, left, and four ways to Sunday. Motorists who make double sure their wheels don't leave the ground when they turn a corner. No, sir. (laughs) Bob and that kid of mine will blow your granny doors off so fast with that kind of foolish piddling. That horn of Bob's is his best friend, and he uses it often, along with a few choice words for these good, solid folk who are wasting his time. Move the hell over, Grandpa. Hey, darling, do your texting on somebody else's time. (laughs) When one drives weed, one simply can't afford such luxuries of a lack of character regarding patience, tolerance, and grace. Not only that, like I told you, as we drove westbound 80, we could just set the speedometer at two miles below the speed limit, which was, in these wide open spaces, 78 miles per hour. Not so as you drive through the windy Redwood Highway. This highway makes its way through at least 10 to 20 little county communities before you get to Highway 199, and Highway 199 is exactly the same till we get to the Interstate 5. Up and down the Redwood Highway, the speed limit never goes above 65, but instead constantly gyrates back and forth between 65, 55, 45, 35, around the curves and down to 25 to 15 miles per hour through a town's main thoroughfare, only to start back up again of graduating speeds on the way out of town. This goes on and on. Everybody knows by now that small-town America funds their coffers imposing impossibly slow speed limits on Mayberry's Main Street. They've got their Sheriff Griffith, whose full-time job is to skulk around hidden drugstore corners, nab drivers, and collect cash on site for speeding tickets from unsuspecting tourists driving 23 miles per hour in a 20-mile-per-hour zone. 
With these same toll roads, Sheriff Griffith can make enough money to produce a TV show, buy Aunt B two new straw hats, one for Easter and one on Mother's Day, and new checkered shirts for Opie every school year. For sure, <laughs> we didn't want to get too arrogant thinking that Sheriff Griffith wouldn't know the smell of weed if it smacked him upside of the head, but better not to even test his lack of sophistication. <laughs> Brother, <laughs> That sheriff's probably already nabbed Opie's weed stash and porn collection from out under his bed anyway. <laughs> no matter how scenic, this kind of driving can get really exhausting. Boy, I'll tell you, driving weed made a new man out of Bob Benson. <laughs> I've never seen that kind of calmness and patience in his driving before or after. Since we've been busted, he's gone back to his old ways. Every morning in downtown Salt Lake, he drives like an archangel chasing Satan out of hell. <laughs> it was an amazing calm while it lasted. I have this furrow between my brows. For those of you who can't see it, it's a crevice as deep as the freaking Grand Canyon. Bob put this Grand Canyon between my eyebrows with his driving. You know, I used to be such a beautiful woman till Bob did this to me. I never used to cuss like this either until I met him. <laughs> okay, the next town of note that we drove through was Garberville. To me, Garberville, California is the heart of the Emerald Triangle. The thing is, it's such an interesting place. It deserves its own episode. So once we get through this triangle, we're going to come back and revisit Garberville and other interesting places that were slightly off the beaten path. So for now, we'll just whiz on by Garberville and talk about the next town, Eureka, California, which is the seat of Humboldt County. Eureka is a mid-sized town of about 25 to 27,000 residents. There didn't seem to be anything particularly special about the place, except for maybe one thing. We had to drive that 100-pound load right past Humboldt County Sheriff's Office, which is located on the main thoroughfare. <laughs> Every time we drove past their police station, we held our breath just out of sheer superstition and terror. <laughs> Once we got past the police station, we did a little dance, metaphorically speaking, that is. There's something, uh, a sort of primitive criminal spark that made us feel like breaking out in chorus and nose-thumbing like, na-na-na-na-na-na. But we never, ever said those words out loud. Knock on wood. <laughs> However, in spite of trying to keep the arrogance and the rebellion in check, there were always those little hellion currents sparking and dancing. Like Humboldt Sheriff County even cared, but we weren't in the mood to find out if they cared or not, though. <laughs> That's for sure. Driving the load past the Sheriff's Police Department was just one of those silly little ironic things. <laughs> Sometimes we stopped for the breakfast of champions at the Circle K just north of town to get gas and pick up the freshest honey buns. So fattening, but 
so good. <laughs> a lot of times, if we didn't get there before 9 a.m., those rolls would be sold out. Once we got past the Circle K north of Eureka, we drove around Arcata Bay, which was an estuary with all kinds of creeks and rivers flowing into it. Estuaries are always kind of swampy and muggy, don't you think? Alongside the estuary, this highway swept us through a mile-long wall of tall, swaying eucalyptus trees standing majestically on both shoulders. It smelled so heavenly, a soft, pungent, fragrant mix of salty ocean and eucalyptus. 99% of the time, we just whizzed through the next town, Arcata, home of Humboldt State University, which is a really lovely group of buildings perched right up there on the hill above the Redwood Highway. Remember all those tree-hugging activists down in Willits that I told you about? They probably came from this place. Humboldt State is a hotbed of liberal tree-hugging vegan activists. They're all into environmental sustainability, global warming, and all sorts of other silly, shallow, superstitious beliefs. These hippie kids probably use Planned Parenthood and smoke the ganja, too. <laughs> I do remember one time spending quite a bit of time in Arcata one day as we waited on other brokers. Colin, Bob, and I went hiking through the Arcata Community Forest. I'll never forget this magical place. This is an enchanting mystical forest where the Ewoks live. I kid you not. All those little Humboldt State hippie students will attest to you that I am not lying. The test of nerves started for Bob and me the very first trip that we drove. As we were motoring down the highway through the Redwood National Park, near where the Klamath River comes into another estuary of the Pacific, a California State Patrol pulled in directly behind us, riding our tail. I thought both Bob and I were going to pee our pants. <laughs> Very quietly, the patrol just followed and followed and followed us. That was the tensest 15-minute drive of our lives. <laughs> Finally, our nerves couldn't take it anymore. We decided to pull over into an ocean scenic lookout and do the standoff. Live or die. Arrest us now or get the hell down the road, officer. <laughs> when we put our single on and turned into the overlook, the patrol just kept going. Whew. Wow. Huh. Okay, hmm, <laughs> hmm, so this blanket covering the bags really is a Harry Potter invisibility cloak. <laughs> Talk about being seasoned really fast. <laughs> Finally, our heartbeats slowed down and we carefully pulled back out on the highway. <laughs> Just before you arrive to the tiny community of Auric, a traveler can finally resolve the riddle of why did the elk cross the road? <laughs> to get from the beach to the other side, silly. <laughs> Duh. As my five-year-old granddaughter would say, Duh, Bob Bob. <laughs> Seriously, though, who ever heard of such a thing as an elk on a beach? Shouldn't they be in Alaska or in the mountains, somewhere like that? 
I just sat there in complete silence as we idled in the car, waiting for these massive, beautiful, big horned sentient beings to cross the highway from the beach over to the meadow on the other side. It was just so weird and wonderful. Oh my gosh. As we were getting closer to Crescent City, suddenly the highway rises up over a cliff and explodes through the fog over a panoramic scene that you can see for miles and miles of beaches, foaming spray and ocean. The big Pacific waves crash into the mammoth boulders rising out of the middle of the tide. Wow. Just wow. On the highway just south of Crescent City, there was always a cop hidden beside the grove of trees waiting for people rolling down that hill to break the speed limit. It's a miracle that Bob even spotted him in the first place. It took me almost 30 seconds to locate him, even with Bob pointing him out. That same cop lurked there every time we passed, come rain or shine. I don't remember him ever not being there. I recognized him by his beady eyes, but boy, could we feel this cop's eyes boring into us as we motored by. It was like he was saying, don't come around here in this neck of the woods no more and take that green poison with you. <laughs> Maybe he wasn't really saying that, I was just my, it was just my overactive imagination and those voices in my head. <laughs> Just a mile or less after the encounter with our favorite cop was the Elk Valley Road. This is where we parted ways from our beloved Redwood Highway. Well, that's all for now kids, so say goodbye to the Redwood Highway for now. Goodbye Redwood Highway! <laughs> Really, the Redwood Highway is synonymous with the Emerald Triangle. So go out and visit it for yourself. You'll love it. I sure love this highway with all the sites and communities along the way. While you're out there, stay out of trouble. Go find an Ewok or a Humboldt State Hippie. They're both pretty cute little creatures. <laughs> and remember, don't do anything I would do. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye-bye.